What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. if I open uh, tonight's proceedings with a philosophical question, do you? Uh, just a little bit uh, quieter there, just a minute. When you have philosophical questions, you cannot have uh, Rasmataz music behind you. There are at least 58 million plays around today uh, proving conclusively that uh, the beautiful young poet was undone by his evil, his evil, uh, that, that awful uh, buzzard called Mother. Uh... You know, I wonder whether the day is going to come when a mother will write a poem or perhaps a play proving conclusively that she was undone by giving birth to this long, golden-haired lout who stands over by the air conditioning unit and plays his guitar and writes angry poems about how mother did him in. Just a philosophical question. I mean, who does who in? in life or and this is the worst question of all to ask do you do yourself in a oh no it can't be no 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 that's just ridiculous no 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 it was society that did it to me rotten crummy evil society now, will you please prepare my magnificent salute to magnificent concepts, ideas in there, will you, Skip? Uh, occasionally, from time to time, man strikes the mother load of a truly inspired idea. First it was the wheel, then it was bottled beer, and now it is... This forward-looking, ever-seeking radio station salute the Richmond, Virginia newsleader. The Richmond, Virginia newsleader, we repeat, for its striking new concept in humanity to man. We salute the Richmond, Virginia newsleader's Beetle Bumble Fund tonight. Once in a generation... We are pleased to report that a small voice speaks for all of us. First, it was the wheel. Then, it was bottled beer. Then, sliced bread. And finally, set it back there quick. Finally, it was the Beetle Bumble Fund. Very good. Very good. That's enough. That's enough. You can't salute people too much. The next thing you know, they get rotten and start running around and... They hire a press agent, and the PR man comes over, and you, they, they turn out an LP, and then you're in trouble. And so tonight, we salute the Beeble, the Beetle Bundle Fund. It has nothing to do with Beatles. That's just its name. The Beetle, it's spelled with a D, as in Denver. 
the Beetle Bumble Fund. And I would like to read to you what the Beetle Bumble Fund is. It was formed in Richmond, Virginia, an unlikely spot for such a thing to come out of, but formed nevertheless in this town. August 9th, 1959. The Beetle Bumble Fund. Would you please prepare me a little music? Now, now I'll tell you what to get me now, this time. Uh, please give me... Uh, there's a piece of music in there by Tchaikovsky. I think this, uh, just you find it in there. It's nice. It's right on the same side there. I think it's the second cut on that, that uh, side. You'll find it. Romantic music. Very easy to find, Skip. Just look real quick. And if not, just put it on any romantic music that comes up fast. All right? Piano concerto, it's called. You'll find it there. I think uh, a little romantic music would not be too far amiss. <clears throat> oh, there's nothing that keeps the old soul, the old angry spirit going and lukewarm, vaguely rancid coffee fermenting in a paper cup. Oh, there's nothing wrong with it. I like it. I mean, don't, don't... I said there's nothing that keeps the angry soul more angry, bugged. And after all, what is a satirist? Satirist? Satirisis? I mean, satirist? What is he unless uh, he's angry? All right, you got it in there? All right, now, you want to hear how the Beetle Bumble Fund started? Listen carefully. Very good. On August 9th, 1959, the Beetle Bumble Fund, named for that noble Dickensian character who opined that the law is, and we quote, an ass, an idiot, was established. Its first beneficiary was one Kurt Nielsen, a Richmonder who walked across the hood of a car that was blocking the pedestrian crosswalk. The driver of the car happened to be an off-duty policeman who forthwith arrested Mr. Nielsen. The Beetle Bumble Fund paid his fine twenty-five dollars. <laughs> Bring it up there, Vic. <laughs> oh yeah, boy! I'll tell you. Do you remember Beetle? B e a d l e out of out of Dickens, who uh, who made that famous remark that the that the law is an ass and an idiot. And uh, I recall the case very well. It was reported on this show, the case of the pedestrian who finally did it. This big, lunkin', fat-bottomed car came swinging up and cut right across. You know that, that idiotic thing that they have in all the big cities called the pedestrian lane that nobody pays any attention to at all anymore, you know, the guys in the big, fat-bottomed cars? Well, this car just came up and... <laughs> Stop! The big slob sitting in there. You know, it's one of those, you know, one of those, one of those, uh, one of those cars with the with the portholes all over the side and the little chrome things all over that says GT Excalibur, all you know, little lightning balls and everything flying off of it and fins and tails and all that. This guy took one look at that car, this pedestrian, and he says, "Okay, you park across where I'm supposed to walk. I will walk across where you're supposed to park." And he just climbed right up on the hood, walked right over the car, and down on the other side. Well, out of the car stepped an off-duty policeman. Twenty-five smackers. Twenty-five smackaroos. And immediately, the Richmond News Leader formed its Beetle Bumble Fund to fight against that idiot, that ass, the law. Now, would you please give me a little more romantic music? Do you want to hear the next one that they paid off to? 
We need one of these in this town. I'm telling you, we need one. Please, a little bit there. August 20th, 1960. The Beetle Bumble Fund reimbursed Mrs. Martha Kellogg of Richmond to the amount of $2, which was the cost of the ticket she had received for parking her tiny foreign sports car farther than one foot from the curb, even though her car was not only parallel, it was closer to the curb than the outer line of parked cars. We paid her $2 fine. August 14th, 1961. The fund furnished $19.35 to cover the fine of Joseph Schenker, a north side Richmond resident who was arrested by Warden Julian Hill for trapping pesky squirrels in his home and releasing them in Hanover County. February 2nd, 1962, a fine for $46.75 was dispatched to cover the fine and legal fees incurred by one Arthur Glidewell, a Richmond painter charged with violating the blue law by painting lines in the parking lot of a Charlottesville supermarket on Sunday. His ridiculous defense was that Sunday was the only day of the week when parked cars would not interfere with his project. He was fined $19. We paid it. March 19, 1962, the fund sent $8.75 to cover the fine of Charles B. Goyt of Richmond, who was hauled to the police station, fingerprinted, talked to rather briefly, and shoved around, treated like a common criminal for the notoriously grievous offense of putting a second dime in the parking meter. Well, don't you know that it says on there, one hour parking only, then you gotta go, he put another dime in it. So they fingerprinted him, shoved him around, and yelled at him, we paid it. November 6, 1962, the Beetle furnished $10.45 to Charles Shopland of Richmond, who was arrested by the local game warden for fishing in Bird Park without a license. Mr. Shopland was caught red-handed putting worms on the hook of a three-year-old boy who was fishing. Known criminals of this sort should not be encouraged in polite society. All right, set it back there. It's running out. Set it back. We're going to need it again. All right. Do you want to hear some of the others they paid off on? Holy smokes, do we need one of these? Oh, wow. Oh, man. Did I ever tell you about the time I've got this scooter? Let me tell you. I want to tell you one, one of the times. I've got a scooter. Now, it's a scooter the size, well, it's so little that if you really wanted to, you could put it into a large suitcase. You know, the kind with the little motor on the back? And the little motor goes... And with a strong wind blowing at your back, going down a 10% grade skip, I think this scooter is capable of about 17 miles an hour. If, that is, you push with your foot. Well, one day I am driving along, see, and I stop in front of the building here. I just pull up here. And I turn the key off and it goes... And it stops, and I parked in a little spa, little tiny parking space. See, it was about the size of my scooter was about the size of perhaps 
three cigar butts end to end, which, by the way, that particular curb was filled with. And so I parked there amid the cigar butts, and I got off my little scooter. And the point is that I parked between two enormous jet black Cadillacs. And behind each jet black Cadillac, and before each jet black Cadillac, were other jet black Cadillacs. There was a whole block of them, all parked, waiting for the important guys to come down out of the important buildings. And they've been parked there for an hour and a half. You know, the chauffeur sends his, the, the, the boss sends his chauffeur out to get the car, bring it down, park in front of the office, and the chauffeur sits in there, see, and nobody touches him. Mile up, you could have walked for four blocks just on the hoods of them Cadillacs without touching the ground. I come out of the building two and a half minutes later. I rushed in. You know, it was one of those things where I, the, the, the scooter was had not even stopped perking. You know, and I run up. I run into the building. I mail my letter in the slot. See, I turn around. There's a fifteen dollar ticket on it. A $15 ticket. My scooter's worth $4. It's a $15 ticket hanging on that little thing. I'm taking no space at all. You know, one of those, like three sparrows sitting in a row would have taken less space than my scooter. I looked up and down the street, and there are those big, fat-bottom Cadillacs, mile after mile, and in each one is sitting a big, fat-bottom chauffeur with a cap. I get out, and I, I look around, and I see this cop walking away, with the, with, the, with the satisfaction just exuding from his big fat bottom, you know, of a guy who's really scored. I'll show them beatniks with them scooters. Oh, scooters, beatniks. And he's walking away, and, and, it, and, and there's a little skinny guy standing on the curb there. And I said, oh, I skip on that scooter, and I tear, the, I tear the ticket off. I look around, and I think to myself, you know, the only thing that will ever solve the traffic problem in a city like this is a few scooters. And here they tag it. It's the only thing they tag. And I, yeah, getting on a scooter, and this little skinny man standing on the curb says, Hey, buddy. I says, What do you want? He says, You know, buddy, when that cop come over here and, and he wanted to tag your scooter, I says, He just went in. He's going to come right out. And the cop is writing out the, the tag. And I says to him, Why don't you tag all them, all them Cadillacs? And the cop looks at me and he says, Mind your own business. Do you want me to run you in? Smart guy. Just thought you ought to know. Now I sat there for a second with that $15 ticket. And it was that moment that the beetle came out of me. That's spelled with a D. It has nothing to do with Ringo. It's a Dickensian character that opined that the law is an ass, an idiot. An ass, and an idiot. Which reminds me, this is W-O-R, New York. Ooh. Welcome, Yes, for a morning coffee break. That's what it's like when you turn to the women's pages of the New York Times and your guests tell you about such fascinating things. Who's wearing what, where, this season and next. And recipe. As Craig Claiborne, New York Times food editor, puts it. If we print a recipe for hamburger, we try to make it the best of all possible hamburger. And the same thing is true of uh, quiche Lorraine. We like to make people know. You'll also find news and ideas on decorating, the care and amusement of the children, way more of everything that interests you than in any other paper, including social news, not just gossip. Let Charlotte Curtis, New York Times Women's Pages editor, explain. The Times must be concerned with the entire society, 
we focus on broad and general coverage that hits a great many areas in depth. New York Times. Uh, Be sure of getting all this and all the rest of the news every morning. Start home delivery today. Call Murray Hill 70700. That's MU70700. The New York Times. If you're without it, you're not with it. <clears throat> forever blowing uh, bubbles, pretty bubbles in the air. Do you have a little tapey in there that extols the value of little bubbles rising from the bottom of a well-filled glass sun? New from Peel's, real draft beer in a can. Here's how people react. It is absolutely terrific. Delicious, I'll tell you that. Very good. Yeah, it's sensational. That tastes wonderful. Tastes just like draft beer. It's so creamy. Oh, Charlie, never saw draft beer in a can. Put real draft beer in a can. Try it. You'll agree. It's really draft beer in a can. You know, those commercials are getting better all the time. What a little reality there inside of them there. It could be dangerous. Speaking of, uh, <laughs> I can think of some products that if they ever put reality in them, oh, wow. You know, have you ever, have you ever seen anything as, as in a fantastically bad taste as these commercials you see on television of all these college girls showing how their legs aren't as hairy as they used to be? I mean, boy, if there's anything that kills romance, it's 18 college girls saying, Yes, when I first turned whoopee hair off, my hair hair off. Oh, well, that is not exactly Lady Greensleeves. That ain't Guinevere. Let's see, we've got that Rover here, speaking of the land of Guinevere. Uh, that is a magnificent automobile called the Rover 2000. And, oh, for those of you who have written me and asked me why, it, it, why they use the term 2000, this is a European designation which has been picked up by American car manufacturers. The number refers to the cubic displacement. That means 2,000 cc's, or a two-liter engine. Uh, it is, a, it is a, a means of designating the size or the horsepower of the car. Not really the horsepower, but more correctly, the displacement of the engine. And uh, it's a very fast, beautifully designed, safe automobile, and one of the prettiest designs to come out of Europe in many a year. Uh, the Rover 2000 was made by the, well, the Rover Company is the company which for a long time has pioneered in the gas turbine engine. Great car, and uh, I don't want to sound uh, like a puff merchant here, but seriously, if you are looking for a car for this spring, it would do you a good deal of good to investigate the Rover 2000, which was designed especially for traveling at high speeds over broad superhighways. Uh, it is a truly modern car. And uh, a great one. This is the Rover 2000. If you'd like pictures of it, send your name and address to Rover here in care of me, 1440 Broadway. And you know who me is. Oh, oh, all right. Let's get back now. Would you please, once again, give me my fantastic salute to a magnificent concept idea. All right. All right you can bring me a little romantic music on. Tonight, we are saluting the Richmond, Virginia news leader who conceived the magnificent idea of the Beetle Bumble Fund which is dedicated, in fact, dedicated totally to the concept that many times the law lays a big, fat egg. And somebody ought to do something about paying the fines, not the poor klutz that was caught underneath that falling yoke. All right. All right.
pass, my pass. Hey, you know, before I go any further and before I forget about this, how would you like to form a fund of that kind? Seriously, would you think? Would, would you enjoy that? Would you enjoy? Uh, how, how about let us? Because you know this is too good to waste to be on Richmond. I mean, I can see some fantastically fertile fields in 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 the larger cities where the law is even more of an ass and a fathead. Uh, now, I'm not being anti-law here, but let's face it that. <laughs> There's a lot of opaqueness that goes with a guy walking around with 48,000 green tickets under his arm. Boy, I've run into this all of my life. And, uh, you know, other... other uh, oh, I could, tell you, I could tell you some laws that, that, that govern... Uh, I have seen some incredible examples of totally missing the point of law by the guys that are, are behind it and that are, that are doing the laws, you know, in places like coffee shops... In places like oh, just it, 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 they they make they make the they, they make the well the real stuff of which satire is born, the real stuff. I I uh, I could tell maybe later on on some later shows we'll do some shows. You want to hear some more? Oh boy, I'll never forget. I'll never forget one night down in a coffee shop where I was doing a show. The night it got raided. I'll have to tell you about that some night. Ask Marty about it. He'll tell you that down to Lima. Oh, it was a wild night down at number one Sheridan Square when they raided Shepard in the middle of his act as performing an obscene performance. <laughs> I'll tell you, oh, wow, it was wild. But seriously, though, it's a pretty funny thing, this, this business of the law. And I would like to form a fund. How about the Excelsior U Fathead Fund? And wherever, wherever this kind of nuttiness crops up, we'll get together and each contribute 15 cents and bail the guy out. Seriously, I think it would be fun. You, would you like to form such a thing? And, and every couple of weeks, we'll report on doings of the Excelsior U Fathead Fund. And, of course, our parent organization will be related to this pump at the Beetle, the Beetle Fund. You want to hear some more of the things they've paid? All right, get it, get it going there. If, if you're interested in forming it, I'd love to form this thing. If you're interested in forming it, I will be the focal point here. And, uh, and we will have meetings. We'll, we'll elect a secretary a treasurer, like some guy that just had 45 tickets for parking his uh, supermarket push cart the wrong way. You know, something like, <laughs> something like that. <laughs> we'll, elect, we'll elect a particularly notorious victim. As, as our secretary treasurer, because he will perform then with fire. You know, you got it, somebody that really performs with fire. And we will have the whole, you know, we'll have meetings, we'll decide on who's going to get the next payment, and then we'll publicly announce how we are righting the wrongs. It, it's a kind of new Robin Hood movement. You know, take from the rich to give to the slobs. All right, now, would you please, uh, once again, give me a little romantic music opinion? Yes. Mmm. March 12th, 1964, the fund sent $25 to Floyd Bowman of Salem, Virginia, whose driving permit had been wrongfully suspended by the vision of motor vehicles in a case of mistaken identity. He was not allowed to drive for three months after that, and so we sent him $25 just to kind of make up for it. So we salute another victim of that notorious ass and idiot, the law. January 9th, 1963, a check for $17.75 
was dispatched to deer hunter Keith Miller, who had bagged a deer, tagged it, and then politely awaited the game warden's arrival. The warden charged Mr. Miller for failure to take the slain deer to a checking station within an hour for the kill. We bailed him out. January 13, 1965, a check for $100 was mailed to Ivan... Rudzinski, a Philadelphia college professor, to help pay his legal expenses against charges incurred when Professor Rudzinski bopped a fellow bus passenger over the head with her transistor radio when she refused to cut the volume down. This case is the only one outside of Virginia in which the Beatle has taken an active interest. We salute Professor Rudzinski. Go, man. Oh, man, do I salute that cat care if she is playing the Shepherd show full blast in that bus. Hit her, man, all the way, low and high. January 5th, 1966, the fund dispersed $45 and $10 postage to cover costs to providing paperback copies of To Kill a Mockingbird for 73 students in Hanover County, Virginia, where the school board has banned the book for high school libraries. We sent them to their home. That's very good. I like to hear that. You want to hear one more here that they did? I think this is a great idea. Terrific idea. I'd like to send, like, say, 100 copies. Uh, you know there's a school uh, not too far from here that just banned Dorothy and the Wizard of Oz? Yes, ma'am. That's the truth. Why? you got to ask the opaque mind of a censor. Don't come to, believe me, don't come to a logical man and ask why. You just got, do you know that there is a, is a school not far from here where the mother goose stories have been banned completely? Yeah. Well, I, I think we ought to form an Excelsior U Fathead Fund to buy 100 illicit, illegal copies of Dorothy and the Wizard of Oz and send them to selected, subversive, underground students. <laughs> Are you aware that in certain parts of this country, Alice in Wonderland is banned on the premise that it's uh, sacrilegious and that it laughs at authority? It sure does. And thank God it does. You know? I mean, incredibly enough, I... Uh, <laughs> I know a guy that was arrested for carrying a copy of The Realist around in a town not far from here. I, as a, as a, as a charter member of the Excelsior U Fathead Fund, would like to send this guy enough money to get out of town <laughs> and to take up residence in civilization. Uh, you want to hear a little more? Here you come. Bring me up. Bring me up. All right. Since 1959, then, the Beetle Fund has dispersed a total of $403.80 to the commendable cause that justice shall be served, the law notwithstanding. During these years, the fund has received more than $600 in contributions, most of them in amounts ranging from $1 to $10. As fans of the Beetle Fund probably know, the Hanover Banning case has aroused national interest, and new contributors are now pouring in from as far away as Nebraska. The fund's bank balance now stands at $215.82, 
No additional contributions are needed. More than money, the Beatle needs causes and would welcome suggestions from readers. <laughs> oh, man, you know, I'll tell you. I, I, the first time that I, I remember the, the getting getting hooked on that peculiar, curious, insane uh, petard of the inflexible law, I'll never forget this time. You know, do you know that that a guy not too long ago, a cab driver, a lot to three days ago. I'm going to tell you what happened three days ago, right here in this city. A cab driver got a hurry-up call. Now get this from a blood serum bank. It was an emergency call. They called him in immediately, an emergency call. He had to take this special type blood to this hospital, a hospital which will go unnamed. Well, it was, you know, a big city hospital. Get it over there as quickly as possible. A woman was dying for the need of this transfusion. He jumped into his cab he drove like mad everywhere he could go to get this serum. And here is the serum sitting beside him. It's the blood, you know. It's, it's in this big case that they have with the blood, you know, with the, with the ice all around it. He's driving like mad. He's got the medical certificates and some big klutz in a blue suit. says, oh, where are you going, buddy, to a fire? He says, no, no, hurry up. I've got to get the place. Don't give me that jazz. Give me your... Give me your license number. Come on, give me... Get out of the cab. Give me... Let me see your registration, Mac. But, 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 but look, this lady, she's... Done. Oh, come on, don't give me the jazz. Now, don't give me that stuff, lady dying. Get out of that, Mac. Come on, let me see your license. But, 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 but... Oh, oh, please, she's... Done. Oh, oh, oh. And 20 minutes later, he is allowed to go on his way. Do I have to tell you what happened to the lady? And not only that, the cabbie was fined 45 simoleons for not only speeding, but arguing. Da, 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 da. I'd love to pay that fine. I'd love to salute that guy right now. That's a true story, by the way. I did not make it up. Did you read about it? On the other hand, now, now to be honest, and we've got to be fair, on the other hand, the law continually, pro, you know, helps situations like this. But it's that little one or two great moments where some more guy is impaled on the petard of some klutz in a blue suit. Oh, man. And I know I'm going to get a lot of angry letters from police officers, and rightfully so, you know, saying that. Because I, I, I this is only one tiny part of the story, of course. But there are these moments. I'll never forget one moment. If you want to hear, if you want to hear a, a, a terrible moment, I I am in a car. I'm sitting there, see, fantastic traffic jam, tremendous scene. And and I and I I, I I start to drive out, and I'm trying to get out of the jam. I'm trying I'm trying to get out, see. So I back up to turn around. Believe me, I'm backing up to turn around, see, and the other lane is totally free, see, and I'm backing out to turn around to try to relieve the traffic jam by getting one more car out of the street. And then instantly there's a guy on me. He says, where do you think you're going, Mac? I says, look, look, we've been parked for two and a half hours here. He says, you're across the yellow line. I says, but... I, I'm, you know, I'm just trying to back. Get out of the car. 
but, 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 but. I, 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 I didn't cross the yellow line because I was being reckless, you know. I saw the yellow line there. I backed out. I wanted to go the other way, see, because I could see the cars weren't going to go. I thought, I'd, get out of the car, Mac. All right, all right. Yes, sir, yes, sir. Out of the car, out of the car. Yes, sir, yes, sir. All right, Mac, let me see the driver registration. You don't mean to tell me your name starts with a J? J-E-A-N? That's a Goyle's name. All right, Mac. Get out. False registration. Get out of here. I, but, but, but my name is Gene G. But it's French. Get out of the car. I backed the car off the street, and I stood there, and the guy frisked me. Yeah, he's going all over. He's, I, it's, it's, it, 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 my name is J-E-A-N. Gene, it's a French name. Gene, Jean. Jean. Yeah. Get out. Stop. Get out. Smart guy. All right, into the wagon. I was taken two and a half miles to a, a a station house because the guy did not believe that anybody could have a name of J-E-A-N as a first name. Now, I'm going to give you the final kickaroonie. Will you please bring up the music there, Dad? Salute the magnificence. One and a half hours later, I arrived at the place where my Ford was parked, where I had been yanked out of it unceremoniously. And there was a $15 ticket for illegally parking along a posted highway. Oh! Ah, Oliva! Tell you at that moment, I'll tell you there are moments. There are moments when you know there are moments when you, you when you just you just you just want to go down with a flamethrower and clean out the mess. <laughs> oh wow! I mean, it's like it's like standing. I'll never forget this this time. I go to the city hall, see, and I want to get a license. You know, I want to buy a license for the car. Well, I, 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 I go up to this, this uh, there's an officer standing there. And uh, he's, he's standing at the doorway there, and, and he's sitting, he's sort of half sitting, sort of standing there by a desk, and it says information. And I says, well, here, I've got this application here. What line do I go in? There's 18 lines, you know, there's four miles long each line, you know. He says, what's the matter, stupid? Can't you see the line down there? It says, number five. There, get, in, get in line number five. That's your line. I says, Okay. Yes, sir, yes, sir. And I stand in line. It is now 2.30. The line inches forward, inch by inch. Millimeter by millimeter. Centimeter by centimeter. Inch by inch. And I'm standing in line patiently like a good citizen. It's now 3.30. I have moved forward a foot and a half. It is now 4.30. And you wonder what the devil they're buying licenses for up there. There's always somebody who seems to want to be licensing a, a Mark 10 Tiger tank. And they have to call up 400 different places to find out, you know, and guys are up there licensing DC-3s. You know, boy, you know, inch by inch. And finally, I arrive at, at the... I'm, I'm so happy, see. I arrive at the front of the line. It's taken me... Well, it's taken me three hours. It is now a minute and a half before closing time. 
And you can see, you know, all the bureaucrats behind there are already, you know, they've taken their shoes off. They're, on, you know, they've quit a half an hour before, you know, they're talking to each other and they're eating candy bars and drinking coffee. And I finally arrive at the front line. The front and the line still stretches behind me, all these hopeless souls. I get to the front of the line and I give this lady my report. I give her her, you know, I give her the... I give her all the stuff. I've got a very happy, you know, that wonderful feeling of having arrived at the front. It's like a little victory, you know. It's like Ahab sighting the white whale. You know, he wants to lay that harpoon home. So I got up to the front, and I give her this thing, and I lay it down there. And I say, here it is. And she says, well, this is here. You're in the wrong line, you know. She says, you're in the wrong line. Right next to her, a foot and a half away, is the other lady, which is line six. And that's the right line. It's got a line that's going 400 miles. I says, I'm right. She says, yes, you should be in line six. Hey. And I look at the lady in line six, and she's standing there picking her teeth. And I said, well, madam, why don't you just give it to her and let her fill? I've been waiting a long She says, you're in the wrong line. Would you please get to the end of the line, please? I'm not trying to write. Beep. And with that... Boom, boing, down comes the down comes the, the bars. And I stand there. When I turn around, and there I've been the whole afternoon has been wasted, kicked, loused up, messed up. And I walk over I walk over to this officer. See, I just got it doing. I walk over to this officer. I says, Sir, you sent me to the wrong line. He says, move on, closing time. Get out, move on, we're closing up. Come on, Mac, move on, get out of here. And boom, the door closes behind me. It is such moments out of which communists are born. And that's the strange dichotomy of it. I wonder whether guys who become communists out of moments like that realize that they are becoming part of a movement that not only believes in bureaucracy, but has leveled and, in fact, has, has, has elevated bureaucracy to a religion. I don't care. You know, I'm walking down the steps. And I see standing in front, in front of the city hall, there's always a little straggling group of protesters, you know. And there's a guy saying, how long? He's got a sign. And I walk up to him and I say, that's what I say, buddy. Give me a sign. Give me a sign. And for ten minutes, I'm walking around with a sign. It says, how long? Of course, what I was referring to is how much longer am I going to have to stand in lines? Long lines. <laughs> oh, brief moments, you know. Well, let us all now add also the necessary... And this is the postscript that always makes everybody mad. I'm sure there's 18 million hippies now are gathering around the radio and they say, Shepard's going to blow up the city hall. Wow, let's go, man. Well, I'll tell you this. You also have to add that one postscript that in the immense population that we have today and the, the uh, tremendous number of people and the enormous amount of transgressions of the law in one way or another, it is inevitable that at least 1% or maybe 5% of all uh, legal movements are based on an absurdity of the law. You follow what I'm saying there? Uh, <laughs> it, the, the, there is a sense that I, nobody wants to admit it. You know, you say, oh, come on, get out. Now you're chickening out. That's what they're going to say. No, no, 
If you've ever traveled around the world as much as I have, you recognize that no matter where you go, no matter what system you go to, no matter wherever you are with people, people, I'm, I'm, I'm not even talking about systems, you will find that sublime uh, absurdity of the misapplied rule. The misapplied... The, the, the greatest classic example of that was, out, was, was based on a true situation that actually occurred at the time of Pearl Harbor. Uh, if, if many of you remember reading James Jones's book, From Here to Eternity, uh, the classic situation of the sergeant who was in charge of the gun locker, when the planes are attacking and they're blowing up the runway and guys are dying in the hangars and they're blowing up the hospitals, this sergeant stood spread-eagled against the door. And he said, nobody's going to get in here without an order. you gotta have, uh, you got to have a signed order by an officer requisitioning the ammunition. You ain't getting in. And all the officers are dead for miles around. <laughs> now, that's a classic example of the misapplied regulation. Now, the reason, of course, that that regulation was put into effect in the first place is you don't pass out live ammunition to people uh, lightly. You don't give guys uh, 50 caliber incendiary ammunition just because they come down and want it in the Army. So you have to have a law, you know, that says you got to have uh, a real reason for having this stuff. Well, suddenly there was the law and there were the planes flying overhead. And in the middle was a sergeant who could only go by the book. And this is where the book, at one hand, protects civilization and on the other hand brings it down. And, 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 and I can only say that I have worked for many outfits where there is a bookman in charge. Believe me, within 20 minutes after the bookman is in charge, the entire system begins to fall apart. And, and he just takes out the book. Well, all it says here is that nobody is going to be able to make a station break unless it says, wow. And so, so you find klutzes making station breaks in the middle of, <laughs> of a presidential announcement well, relating to the dropping of an atom bomb on Washington, we would stop for a station break because there's a guy here who, who's got the weekends running in, you know, with a book. <laughs> now, now, I've seen this so many times. And on the other hand, of course, that, that same book is the... See, that's why, why many, many, many people who are what, what could be roughly called the hippies are always, always in confusion. They're against the law as long as it doesn't affect them. But the minute their apartment is broken into and somebody's chasing them up and down an alley with a knife, then all of a sudden they're very much in favor of the law. Somebody doing something about it, you see, that problem. And so we're all that way. Let's face it, we're all involved in the same problem. Uh, so guys that complain about taxes are the first guys to say, what if they do something about Fordham Road? What if they get on out here and repay the whole road? What they ought to do is put up put a bridge over the Bronx. You know, he wants, you know, he wants the whole thing. And at the same time, he says, oh, I'm nuts up there. What are, all I want is taxes for crying out loud. So there is that terrible paradox, that dichotomy, where, where you, can be very, you can be very big about spending money as long as it doesn't affect you personally. And you can be very big about police brutality. Uh, constantly, people are, are, uh, are always yelling these days about the police arrested somebody wrong. But let me tell you, let their apartment get robbed or let their uncle get killed on the street. 
And boy, they're all for the police going out and arresting the whole neighborhood, you know. <laughs> so you got these problems, you know. We're, we're always torn. But the, on the other hand, I still think there is a real need for the Excelsior U Fathead Fund. All right, George, that ticket, I took that ticket, and I hollered that. I, of course, I waited till the cop was in the next block, and I hired him out took him a ticket, Flatfoot. Well, I know what I did with the ticket. I paid it. Oh. Well, I wanted it, you know, what are you going to do, you know? Next thing you know, you're a scofflaw. Isn't that a great word, scofflaw? Scoffing at the law? <laughs> oh, yeah, keep your knees loose and your checkbook handy, friends. special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low, net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. 